Welcome back to Eclectic Soul Podcast. I am Jen. This is... Jen. Hello, everyone. So, we talked about narcissism. We talked about sociopath. Now we're going to talk about emotional intelligence. Do you know anything about emotional intelligence? I think it's basically a complexity of thought and emotions. So... That's my own personal opinion. It shows a maturity and a... I don't like to use the word control, but maybe um, a good handle on understanding your own feelings and other people's feelings. But I also think there is a level of intelligence as well in there with your thoughts and stuff. Okay. Very good. Because the definition out of the Oxford Dictionary... Mm -hmm. The capacity to be aware of, control, and express one emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships. Emotional intelligence is the key to both personal and professional success. The five components of emotional intelligence is self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. You have to have all those. Those are those are the five components of emotional okay. intelligence. So when you're self-aware, when you're self-aware of what you're doing and you mm-hmm. know it's wrong mm-hmm. and you know it's right, you mm-hmm. you go what feels the better for you. Mm-hmm. Having the motivation, having the confidence with the motivation to be able to know when you have said something wrong or if someone says something wrong to you, how to control your own tank, tamp, anger and temper to keep yourself from acting out. And then the social skills, knowing how to judge on whether or not you should open your mouth and say something when someone has either been rude or have aired their behavior towards you on or something happened and it was really out of someone's control and you just didn't like it and it was like the last straw for that moment that broke you to learn that self-control, that social skills to like, okay, we'll just step back, you know, not push this, you know, stop before you say something you don't need to say and just follow through your head what it is you want to say, and then talk slowly. So people with low EQ often struggle to understand and control their emotions. They may lash out reactively without understanding what they are really feeling or why they're so upset. Something is just triggering them, upset, you know, just upsetting them beyond control And a person who lacks the EQ might also have an unexpected emotional outburst that seems overblown, uncontrollable, over-the-top, just drama queen. Mm -hmm. Can emotional intelligence be taught? Yes, it can. Matter of fact, a lot of um, companies should actually teach Customer service reps, um, managers, supervisors should be taught this as well. 
a lot of a lot of times people like to compare emotional intelligence with actual intelligence. Um, they think that people with a low EQ could also be someone with a low IQ, and that's not been founded out. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it can be the quite opposite. Normally, people with a higher IQ have the shortest stems <laughs> when they get angry. <laughs> so, because they're so used to doing things their way, mm-hmm. and because people normally wouldn't challenge them, you know, on certain things, so they would get a little angry. More so. And the younger they are, they would be that way if they're really intelligent. Um, So just to... I already spoke about the self-awareness, so it just says, take your emotional temperature on a regular basis and asking yourself, what am I feeling right now? So you ask yourself how you feel when, when a situation arises, or if you're really stressed out. Um, self-regulate, creating a list of things that positively impact you to reduce any negative emotions you may be experiencing. So if you're working in a workplace and there's things that irritate you, jot it down. Try to... Uh, come up with a way to take in what's negative and make it a positive impact. Now, that could be as much as saying, um, Mr. or Mrs. Supervisor, I need to have a talk. Maybe somebody at work is not being the best. Instead of confronting them, you might have to do, go a different avenue and go and talk to your supervisor. That's one way. If it's your children or your spouse, you have to say... Now, honey, can we have a talk? Because you don't want an argument, but sometimes you have to get off your chest. What's bothering bothering you? It's bogging you down. It's negative. It's, and sometimes people don't want to hear what you have to say if it's about them that's affecting you. Motivation. Creating a vision board. Vision boards actually, I think, became really popular about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Everybody was creating vision boards. And of those things, you will find motivation and goals in which you are striving for, and you refer to that board often. So you would put all your goals on this board, and nine times out of ten, a lot of people didn't write it. They actually used pictures. Mm-hmm. of what they wanted or dollar signs for money and stuff like that. So you would go back and it would help you stay on target and you would have like not really marked off, but mentally marked off what you've achieved, what you haven't, why, what avenue you need to go and keep moving forward. Empathy. Identifying a role model that you would describe as empathetic. What are the things that this person does that demonstrates empathy? What are these qualities you can learn and demonstrate the same? So if there's someone, whether it be an idol or someone you know or a own family member, your own family member or a neighbor that you see how they handle a situation the way they do things voluntarily or 
how they help a neighbor or something, see, just watch, see what it is they do, maybe even approach them and ask them, and try to do something that it's something that gives you empathy something that helps your heart creates happiness in your heart and that you can feel what other people are going through so if you know someone's down and upset what would make you feel good to make you happy what would be something someone could do to you to put a smile on your face if you were upset John you're asking me mm-hmm I think it depends on the person, though, and the situation. Oh, okay. Give so, me a situation. So, um, say you're having a really, really bad day at work. Um, computer systems gone down. Um, people are not doing their job. People have called out because they're sick, and there's probably only five or six of you handling what normally twelve might be handling, and it's just the worst. And you really don't want to be there. And you send messages to a few people and only a few reply that make you feel good. What would be in those messages that you got that have made you feel good? Well, it would probably be the co- the coworkers that I feel the closest to. Mm-hmm. That we reach out to each other a lot and we are just funny and we say things that you could not say in a workplace mm-hmm. usually. So, you know, people will crack jokes or yeah. make fun of people at work. I mean, I know this sounds horrible, but mm. that's kind of what we do, you know, just to make it light. I mean, because there are certain, when, when you're really stressed out and there's somebody at work or a group of people at work that are making things worse for people, there's not much you can do. Like, you can't speak up and you can't go to your boss or you go to your, you know, whoever, whoever's in charge and be like, hey, I need to have a talk in those situations because they're going to take that as an insult um, and you're just going to cause problems in that situation. So like, you kind of have to find a, an outlet for it. And so we basically just make fun of them and crack jokes and be silly and... And goofy. Yeah, and goofy. Okay. So, and that's actually a good thing is that helps the few of you that are in that workplace that are having that rough time. Because mm-hmm. I know when I worked in a workplace and a computer system goes down, it's been down for three hours. You yeah. don't know what you're going to do. And you got so many people that have called out and you're sick and you used to have a, a team of so many people doing things. And then there's already all these other problems. And then you got new problems adding on. And there's just a handful of people to handle it. It gets quite intense mm-hmm. and it's very stressful and you know, temperatures rise and sometimes people can become short with one another and say things. So what about in personal life um, from the time of your childhood up till now? Has there been anyone in your life that when you were at a moment of despair where you were upset that someone has done something nice for you that made you feel better, that lifted your spirits up? Not really. Not really? I uh, mean, most of my most of my life, I've always been the kind of person that always was the strong person. So most people that I knew came to me. And uh, they let all their problems out of me, and I just listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not very comfortable opening up to people, even people I know very well, and letting them hear all of my 
dirty laundry and all that stuff. Mm. It's just not, I'm a very private person. Mm -hmm. So people, and I'm not saying that it's their fault. It's just, I don't allow people to see that. Right. And so people aren't really able to do that for me because, um, you know, if they don't know that you're going through something, right? they're not going to be able to help and support you. I mean, the only thing that I can really think of to give an example would be when you came and stayed when Brian was going through his thing. Yeah, but I mean, you, you've been on this earth for a long period of time. I know that feeling of where... No one's ever really been there for you, but they always come, you know, mm-hmm. to you with their problems yeah. and stuff because I've that person as well. You know, oh, I'm going to go, Virginia will fix it, Jen will do mm-hmm. it, you know. Where's that for us? You know, it's, we're all human. We all have struggles. We all have those days where they're crap and we need sometimes someone not where we wouldn't have to verbally say something that someone can see it mm-hmm. or someone can feel it and say, are you okay? Or smile to make mm-hmm. us smile. That just makes that all that crap we've gone through just a little brighter. Even if it was a smile to get you from point A into your car to get home, mm-hmm. you know, it, it we need that as humans. We mm-hmm. need to know that there are people out there who have enough of that in their heart to be able to say, oh, you look nice today. And they don't really know you. Or they'll be walking by on the street mm-hmm. and they look at you, they look at you in the eyes or something. And they go, oh, you got beautiful eyes. Or you have a nice smile. A lot of people don't do that. No, they and don't. And I read something about that. I don't know where, but I heard that People who are more, have good qualities, mm-hmm. um, even attractiveness, like if you think somebody's like got beautiful eyes or they're just very attractive or whatever, people tend not to say, they actually kind of downplay it because they think that you already know. So they won't, they won't point that stuff out to you as much. But that's so wrong. I, I read that somewhere in like a psychological article. Mm. But that's so wrong because, and I think that's probably a lot of what's wrong in the world is that there's not enough people who have enough integrity as well as the empathy to voice Mm-hmm. Well, you look nice today or hey, good morning when they see someone walking down the street and it's only them on the street. And, you know, you don't have to shake someone's hand, but just by smiling and say good morning or nodding to them and saying good morning can actually change a person's mm-hmm. life that moment. I mean, you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. You never know. If they are worried about paying a bill or if something even more drastic is going on. And just by being kind enough or having that empathy inside, Mm -hmm. that compassion to be able to just notice them and say, hey, are you all right? And they look at you and you go, oh, smile, sweetheart. Everything will be mm-hmm. all right or things will get better. Keep your chin up, dearie. Just something, just something that little gives them enough hope that it brightens their day up 
that they start thinking a little differently. It adds a piece of positivity to what's going on that's already negative in their brain. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's neat. That's part of emotional intelligence. And the more that people who have emotional intelligence does that, the more other people, because if one person sees a good deed being done, more people are going to do a good deed. I kid you not. One day I was in line at Starbucks. I was three cars back and I was in line to pay. I And so the truck in front of the car in front of me left the line and the car pulled up. That car left. I pulled up. And the woman goes, the woman paid your chai tea because the man in front of her paid for her drinks. And you really don't have to pay for your drink. This is it. I said, what? Are you kidding me? I said, how much is a person's ticket behind me? And she goes, it's the same price as yours. I said, I will pay for theirs. And I'm hoping that it continued because there was two more cars Mm -hmm. behind them. But that just like, I was like touched because it was a complete stranger. I did not know her at all. Mm-hmm. And she paid for my tea. And it's just those little things that are so nice. You hear stories about veterans um, eating dinner out and they see people in uniform mm-hmm. eating out and they pay for their meals. And or other people, civilians will pay for veterans meals or you see an elderly couple out celebrating their anniversary and someone hears that it's their anniversary and they secretly go pay for their meal because a couple shouldn't have to pay for their anniversary, especially if they've been together for 50 some years. They Their meal should be free, you know, at least I would not want my parents, I try to take them out. But that, that's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if more people can do that in this world, and we can, you know, not just depending on IQ levels, but EQ. Well, I also I, think that would also be got, helpful in other areas with, because a lot of people are depressed. A lot of people are not very confident. And I know we shouldn't base our confidence and stuff on other people's thoughts and right. opinions. But I, it, it, it affects people. It does. And I think if people were more um, outspoken about how they feel in a positive way towards others, I think people wouldn't go and diet as much, you know what I mean? And worry about how they look all the time and what they're doing and feel like they're, they deserve to be happy and stuff yeah. like that. You know? We, we need a lot of this. And then jumping back onto the right train track, <laughs> <laughs> um, social skills, a good way to help yourself with the social skills on with, emotional intelligence is creating a calendar for how and when you reach out to others to build stronger relationships. So if you know you work well with certain people, you want to schedule them in your life as much as possible, even if it's once or twice, you know, a month, just so you touch base with them. Mm -hmm. you, You see how well you work with each other, build that foundation, build that relationship because it's a friendship which is a relationship pretty interesting how you can just take a few things and create a better emotional state for yourself 
And then um, I was I also found where these same five skills can come in for leadership. So self-awareness. If you're self-aware, you always know how you feel. You know how your emotions and your actions can affect the people around you. Being self-aware when you're in a leadership position also means having a clear picture of your strengths and weaknesses. And it means behaving with humility. So you know to be humble. You know to treat people with non-judgment because you would know how you would want to be treated. So you wouldn't mistreat people. Yes. How that sounds great. Mhm. But it's always fascinating when you, and when you're dealt with somebody who doesn't feel that way. When when you have to deal with somebody who has no empathy and no regard for anyone else, it's very difficult. It is. To be humble and keep your mouth shut and to say positive things it, it, <laughs> to somebody it, who it just does not care about you or anyone else. It is. And there <laughs> and there is some ways that you can improve. <laughs> Your self-awareness, one is by keeping a journal. Journals help you improve your self-awareness. If you just spend a few minutes every day writing down your thoughts, this can help move your thoughts to a higher degree of Mm -hmm. self-awareness. Also slowing down. When you know your experience, the the anger, the temperature rising, Mm -hmm. or other strong uh, emotions, you want to slow down. You want to reexamine why you're doing this. Remember that no matter what the situation, you can always choose how you react to it, which is a Zen very way Mm -hmm. because the... My sensei used to tell me it's you should never react to someone else's action, especially if it's negative. What if it's it positive? Should, it, you should never, never. Well, no, I was just asking. Seriously. But if it's a positive thing, then positivity should always be given back. If it's a negative. You do not want to react to that because then you're allowed that to be a part of you. And when you take that in, then you're creating negativity within yourself and you're, and you're creating a storage in your brain of that. So that means anytime that particular situation or that word becomes a trigger and that's in your head. So anytime you're confronted with that after that moment on, because you've already reacted to that negativity, it becomes a problem and it's harder for you to move away from it. If you realize that it is a problem and you don't react to it and you stop and you're like, when you calm down and you want to talk, I will talk to you better than right now. I don't want nothing to do with this. And you walk away from that and you leave it there with them. Mm -hmm. So you're choosing not to resonate with it. You're leaving it there with them and you walk away. So what do we, what do we do when we're faced with a situation where it's not so clear cut? So like, for example... I mean, because obviously if somebody is being extremely rude, okay, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's an argument that's going to start happening, maybe even yelling, then, I, you know, totally it would be like, okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to engage, we're going to walk away, I'm not going to talk to you right now, I'll talk to you later. But a lot of situations that people are in with people is it's a, it's a generally decent relationship that they're mm-hmm. having, mm-hmm. but the person might say one word or a line that really bothers you or hurts you, right? 
but the rest of everything else, they, they're not doing it intentionally, but like, and this is with everybody, everybody mm-hmm. does this. And it bothers you and hurts you, and it triggers something. But most of everything else that's going on in the situation isn't really negative. Maybe a little bit, but it's not like this clear cut, like, we're going to have an argument, or this, is, this person's trying to provoke me. It's like the person might not really be aware or maybe they might maybe they are angry but they're not actually yelling or anything. They're just kind of disengaging themselves, but they might say a few things here and there. How do you that to me that'd be a little bit harder to deal with because that person isn't actually really engaging you or they're not engaging you uh, on purpose. To me that's passive aggressive. Yeah. But what what is your opinion on for the viewer viewers for the listeners? To, how do you deal with something like that? Because that person doesn't really even know what's going on. I probably would give them a little space. I would keep an eye on them. I would write down how I feel on paper. Mm-hmm. And then when I have time with them and it's a good moment time, mm-hmm. then I would say would you like to have a conversation? There's some things that's been bothering me mm-hmm. and I don't know where this is going to go, but I don't want an argument. I don't want to fight with you. I just need to express how I feel and I need to know how you feel. Mm-hmm. And I would just go with that. If they are caught off guard or if they get to where they're, antsy about it where they don't they're not ready to talk Mm -hmm. so i it's a damned if you do damned if you don't um but the only other thing you can do is write it in a letter and give it to them and tell them to read it and i've done that myself many a times and let me tell you something out of the three people that i have actually written a letter to and sent it in the mail. Mm-hmm. One of them showed up on my doorstep and said, we can talk. And they were ready to talk. And the other two, no? And the other never? two never spoke to me again. Well, that's a quick way to end the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. But I look at it this way. It, even if you haven't had any trouble or real trouble with them... Why allow yourself to feel negative Mm -hmm. about something if they don't even know what's going on and you don't really understand why this is happening, but you're trying to understand and you're trying to communicate Mm -hmm. and they're just not receptive of that Mm -hmm. and, or they act like they just don't want to, Mm -hmm. or they blow it off, Mm -hmm. then you have to reanalyze your friendship or that relationship. Mm-hmm. And is that someone you want? Because if they're that way, how are they going to be if something was to truly happen? You really need a friend. Right. And then they're not there when you really need them. Because they're too wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Or too don't know what they want. Or, well, why do you need me? Mm-hmm. So... Did I kind of answer your yeah. question? Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, just the whales in my intestines no. are talking. Oh. <laughs> no, I thought it was a good answer. Well, it's, it's really difficult because there's just some people that won't. 
Well, and also we're all. also talking about ourselves too, right? Because obviously we talked about boundaries last time. And that's right. more of a bound. Like we're talking about other people. It's and this about goes with boundaries. But when when you're talking about yourself and trying not to engage, it's hard sometimes because if that person isn't flat out being just a horrible person to you, you're always you're, you're going to feel conflicted, right? It goes back to that boundary thing too. Yes. It's like. You know, you, you want to say something in the moment, but should you say something in the moment? And then if you don't say something in the moment, then you're like holding on, you know, then you're hold, like repressing it. So it's like you got to find another, an outlet I, for I'm it. I'm the one that I don't like to fight with people right. I care about. No. I just yeah. don't. No, you should it, ups, it upsets me. And so I'm the one that gets quiet mm-hmm. and I won't say anything. And if you push it and you push it too hard, I was the one like... I had low EQ years ago and over the past 12 years, I've actually have helped myself where I used to fly off the handle at people. I, because of who I was married to, he pushed all the wrong buttons. I have triggers. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I went through hell and high water with him and just the smallest thing people did set me off. And I was the most nastiest person to people when I was in my moments. And I was like that for a good couple of years. It wasn't until I stepped away and I said, I don't want anything else to do with any man. I don't want anything. I stayed away from my friends. The only thing I did, that I went to choir every week. That was the only thing I did. I didn't go out. I didn't go to karaoke. I didn't do anything for a long time. And it was probably a good two, two and a half years that I read. I have all these books. I went to Barnes and Noble and I'd get all kinds of self-help books. I would get all kinds of other books. The only person I ever really, before I met you, uh, spent any time with was Travis because at least I could be myself with him. Where other people... I couldn't trust. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was, it's really difficult to hold all of that inside and mm-hmm. not be able to vent it out. I wrote a lot. I have a lot of poetry. Half of it I can't find. I don't know where it is because I've moved three times since then. So I don't know where it all got to. I probably lost it because some of my stuff got thrown out. So it's, it's difficult not being able to tell people how you feel or ask them, you know, why are you being this way mm-hmm. and not and, and holding on to that negativity and not letting it go. And I still hold on to some things, but I try not to hold on to my anger. Mm-hmm. I, and the biggest challenge of mine is with a friend of mine that used to talk about committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And it would get me really upset. And then when he would blow up at me, instead of blowing up back at him, I was very calm, very understanding, very collective with myself that I just spoke slowly or typed slowly. And I made sure I didn't use any wrong words. And I just let it go at that. It's easier too when you're typing, right? Than when somebody's actually in right. front of you, yeah. And but normally I was that one that would, <laughs> you know, and I would fire back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've learned not to do that. I because 
again, sensei, in my head, don't give in to negative anger to that people that are giving it to you. Don't resonate with it because negative energy is harder to get rid of. Positive energy is the hardest to keep. So stop and think about that. Negative mm -hmm. energy is hardest to get rid of, but positive energy is the hardest to keep. Mm -hmm. So don't take what resonates and feels right with you and leave the rest. So anything I have to say here, if it resonates with you and it makes you feel good and it makes you understand and you, you're grasping at it and you're like, oh, I get this. That's the good stuff. Keep that with you. If this is not resonating with you and it's just not your cup of tea, then just leave it. Leave it because mm -hmm. you don't want to carry around stuff that isn't meant for you mm -hmm. because it'll make you sick. So self-regulation, leaders who regulate themselves effectively, effectively, rarely, verbally attack others. They rarely make rushed or emotional decisions. They rarely stereotype people or compromise their values. They're more all about integrity. It's all about staying in control. So this element of emotional intelligence is um, flexibility and a commitment to personal accountability. So, like I said, this is really good stuff for being in a work environment and being a boss or being a leader or being a coworker. So, how you can improve this in your job, um, know your values. Do you have clear ideals, or excuse me, ideas? <laughs> Do you have clear idea of where you absolutely will not compromise? Do you know what values are most important to you? And so you, what you should do is spend time of either coming up with a code of ethics that you work with within yourself, or if your company has a code of ethics, you need to learn what those code of ethics are and incorporate your own with it as well. Um, it's very important to have these. Um, cause it will help you what you should do and what you should not do. And then you would probably think twice about what to do when you face a moral or an ethical decision. So you will make the right choice. Um, always, always hold yourself accountable when you know you've done something wrong. Don't blame others for your mistakes. That's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So, um... Make a commitment. Make sure you keep the commitment. Um, if you make a mistake, face the consequences and apologize. And you'll probably even sleep better at night. And then practice being calm. So uh, learn meditation. Do Tai Chi. On your VR? On your Well, if you have one, like Jen does, because I'm a broke-ass girl that can't afford one. <laughs> so if you all want to donate... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm she's, kidding. She's kidding, but not really. So it's No, okay. I am kidding. She's... So they, the ways... Some of the ways they said that you could practice being calm outside of what I said... Um, 
You can practice deep breathing, which is a form of meditation to calm yourself. Uh, you can do, which I love to do when I go to the mountains, but I am that girl that you will find because I am a country girl. I'm not a city girl. I will stand in the mountains and I will scream my ass off. I kid you not. I will stand there and just scream, scream. And I feel so much better when I do. It really, you release so much anxiety and stress when you scream that it unlocks something inside your body. It's amazing. And you feel so relaxed after you do it. So every time I go to Grand Mountain out in Pima, I am just screaming. <laughs> what about those rooms you go into when you can like break everything? Oh, I would love to do that. Oh, that would be so awesome. They would hate me because I, I can just do damage. Just give me a baseball bat <laughs> or a golf club. I'll swing away. <laughs> Responding to feelings. So when, um, let's see. Say you ask your supervisor, or not your supervisor, excuse me. Say you ask your assistant why they're late to work again. Um, and they tell you why you, you want to understand, but you want them to know that you're not a doormat either. You don't want them walking all over you. So choose your words wisely, get the feelings out across, you understand their feelings, but put your feelings out there as well. And a positive aspect as much as possible without making it sound like you're pissed off at them to the point if they're already stressed out. Um, social skills. Leaders who do well with social skills in the environment of or element of emotional intelligence are really great communicators. They know how to talk and they know how to listen as well as communicate. Um they are just open, they're just as open to hearing bad news as the good news, and they're an expert at giving their team to support them, or supporting them, and to be excited about their mission or project. So that's a good thing. Leaders have good skills, um, excuse me, good social skills, are also good at managing change and resolving conflicts diplomatically. Well, I would like to know why some of my supervisors in the past didn't, couldn't do that. They just... I don't think a lot of people do that well. No, but it would be nice if companies taught their people that because I think they would have a more smooth-run company. I think people that are in authority, authority positions mm -hmm. are the worst at that. I think they the are. actual workers are better at that. I know a few companies that kind yeah. of work like this, mm -hmm. but they're very far and few and in between. But I think if more companies had these IQs or EQs, excuse me, um, some structured in their company and it was handed down not only just for supervisors and management teams, and their own CEOs and vice principal or vice presidents, vice principals, good Lord, <laughs> vice presidents having the same morals and goals and code of ethics for their company as well, that I think companies would work better because I think employees themselves would be 
a little more open with themselves saying, you know, I don't feel comfortable about this or I'm sorry I'm late instead of just giving a, well, because this happened and it'd be a little white lie that might actually say why they would Mm -hmm. say, can I talk to you and tell you why? And there would be a more understanding, a more honest um, connection between the manager or supervisor and that employee, Mm -hmm. especially being on a floor with them better communication all around a better flow of work, a better flow of energy, which makes if you, I'm sorry, but if you have a happy supervisor, you're going to have a happy team. If you have a happy team, you're going to have a happy supervisor. 13 signs of high emotional intelligence. Okay. So you think about feelings, whether they're yours or someone else's. I get that. We can check that because yeah. I think we overdo that, actually. Yes. <laughs> you pause before you say something. I think that depends on the situation for most people. That's how I thought. That's how I thought about that. So I half check. So uh-huh. I'll put a dot. You strive to control your thoughts. The key word there is strive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. But, again, devil's advocate. Thoughts on what subject? It's all about perspective when it comes to this test or this this mm-hmm. thing. You benefit from criticism. And that, to me, is stay, stating that if someone gives you constructive criticism and it actually helps you move through what it is to make it better... Then you achieve that. But if you're also very sensitive, because mm-hmm. I'm AB, and I'm very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So when someone criticizes me, mm-hmm. I get really upset. Mm-hmm. And I don't get upset where I'm angry. I get upset and I retract from, and I want to cry. And I'm hurt. So I'm just, nah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I can't do that. Show, you show authentic, authentic, authenticity. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I was tongue tied for the first fifteen years oh, yes, of you my said life. Episode. <laughs> I've come a long way. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yes. How do? But what does that mean specifically, though? Because... That you're authentic in what you do. So, for me, I would look at it as you're someone who, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, When you are being um, empathetic, you're having empathy for someone, you're being honest with someone, you're being honest about your feelings, you're being honest about listening to what it is that they're going through and you are yourself, your, your truth comes Mm -hmm. through and you, you know, comfort them or you, if it's just about you being truthful, you are truthful in what you do. Your integrity shows through. Also, number six, you demonstrate empathy. 
So you actually physically show empathy to people. So you're, you're you know, the baby cries, you pick the baby up and you all, you know, or a co-worker's upset or up in the bathroom crying, mm-hmm. you show empathy to them or a co-worker gets a phone call and maybe someone has been rushed to the hospital. You're like, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Just please go give them a little hug and send them on their way. That's how I look at it. You praise others. Yeah. Whether or not you got credit for anything, you still should always, if someone does a good job, you should tell them they do a good job. That's how I feel. So even if you're just a coworker, you know someone has maybe not always got something mm-hmm. right and they finally got something right and they're happy about it. Don't destroy what they just... Yeah for themselves see all right good job you know because we all had to learn to crawl we all had to learn to walk we all had to learn to talk some people learn things faster than others some people grasp things faster than others don't steal their thunder just be happy for them i think it's easier to praise people in a workplace setting because they're actually physically doing something for the company yes I think it becomes very weird for people when you when you come back out of that situation because if, usually if somebody receives praise, they don't want to accept it even. And so the other person feels awkward giving it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people say you can't take a compliment. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like people are not so ready to hear praise in, in, a, in a personal setting. Well, I say if you're going to praise, please praise your children if they do something right. Because you're instilling proper morals and values into them. And you're also instilling in them confidence and the fact that you know they did something right. Their teachers already praised them on doing something right. You're reconfirming what the teacher did and you're happy about what they Mm -hmm. did so they can feel happy about what they did and it makes them feel good all the way around. So please do that. You give helpful feedback. Please, if you do enjoy our shows (laughs) and everything, I really would appreciate it if you all would just take the time to leave us a little message on whether or not if you like our podcast, do you think we're going in the right direction? Um, Do you understand it? Are there something else you would like to hear? But you know that you, you enjoy it and it's, it's got value so yeah and if not then I apologize because that's number nine you apologize (laughs) (laughs) see I'm making it work for me here (laughs) number 10 you forgive and forget sometimes it's really hard to forgive and forget but on some things you have to forgive and you have to forget especially if a person realizes they've done something wrong. They have taken the initiative to approach you and say, hey, can we talk? By the way, I didn't mean to do this. I am sorry. You know, accept it. Mm -hmm. Forgive them. Tell them, you know, it's okay. It's all good. You know, because we all have our days. We all have our times. It can happen in a workplace. It can happen at home. It can happen in any relationship. You know, it's it's important that 
there are things that are just not big enough to worry about. Some psychologists also say that people have a hard time with the word forgive. And so that if you have a hard time with it, to look at it as more of it as an acceptance. So you're not actually forgiving anybody for anything. Because if somebody did something really horrible to you, you can't forgive them for that. You don't have to. So all you're doing is you're accepting. You're accepting that that person did that. You're accepting that that happened to you. But you're moving on from it. You keep your commitments. Um, Say there's a project and there's five people working on that project and you committed to that project. Please uphold your commitment. Um, If you're in a relationship, whomever you're in a relationship with, if you tell that person that you're going to be there, be there. Because when you don't do what you say you're going to do, and then it starts happening like all the time. You're just creating havoc, not only for you, but for the person you keep putting in that position. Well, you'll become that person. Well, yeah, whoever that person is, because I normally cut them people out. <laughs> so. Well, that sounds like that boundary I talked about. Yes. Well, that's a big deal for me. Yes. You help others. Even if you have nothing, you still help others. If you have everything, you still help others because it is good to help others. When I help others, it makes me feel better. I feel like I've done something Mm -hmm. because it's not all about me. Right. You do what you can. Yes, you do what you can. Now, I can say I have done 1 through 12, which I've just read. However, 13, which equals a 4... And I am born on the 4th. It's extremely hard for me to move with and go through because I am notorious for doing this. You protect yourself from emotional sabotage. I am always sabotaging myself. Emotionally, I do. And it's sad. But I do. I I sabotage relationships because... I'm scared of commitment. I And it's because of my emotions. I let my emotions get the best of me. Because I think I'll be truly happy. And then I'm like, nope. Not what every guy has ever done to me in the past. Nope, nope, nope. And then I push people away. And I do things to make sure relation, this, that relationship I'm in doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I uh, do that. Have you ever done that? No. I don't think I have that problem. You're lucky. I'm being serious. You're lucky. So I do not protect myself from that. I actually create that. (laughs) So I found another website and I was like, okay, emotional intelligence. It is a form of intelligence. I was like, well, I wonder how many other forms of intelligence are out there. So, it's this one is says the nine types of intelligence, and I'm just going to read them off. And I'm going to tell you there is ten because emotional intelligence isn't on this list, and I'm including it. So, um, natural intelligence. 
This is someone who likes nature. And I can go in deeper, but you can see the link. <laughs> because we're yeah. cutting against well, usually, the clock now. Usual. Musical intelligence, which both Jen and I both have, I do believe. Because it's about pitch, rhythm, timbre, tone. Um, you can recognize, create, reflect on music, demonstrate by composers, conductors, musicians, vocalists, which her and I both are. And sensitive listeners. And we are very sensitive when it comes to listening to music. Um, logical, mathematical intelligence. I am excellent with numbers. I am like a little walking calculator. So mm -hmm. do you have... Mm -hmm. I think I do. I I, uh, I thought math was very easy. I, I took all the way up to advanced calculus. And I... Uh... And then I did statistics, which I absolutely hated, actually. I hated calculus. But, but that's because it wasn't really math to me. Which it, one? Statistics. Yeah. It's, it's more like reading a po It's like a paragraph yeah. about, like, what could possibly happen. And I never liked that crap. I like things to be decisive. So. Existential intelligence. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> you don't have it? What is it? No. It, it's oh. sensitivity and capacity to tackle deep questions about human existence. I actually do this a lot. Why do we exist? Why are we here? Why is this like this? Why is that mm -hmm. like this? Why, what happens when we die? Where do we go from mm -hmm. here? I do that a lot. I think it's very spiritual based as mm -hmm. well because with spirituality, even with religions, we all have questions on that. I think a lot of people are like that. Interest. Mm -hmm. Pers interpersonal intelligence. The ability to understand and interact effectively with others, either verbal or nonverbal communication. The ability to note distinctions amount among others, sensitivity to moods and temp temperaments of others. And the ability to entertain multiple perspectives. Teachers, social workers, actors, and politicians all exhibit this type of intelligence. And I used to teach, but I don't know if I can... I can sense when people are sensitive and moody. But I don't know if I would say I have it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's still out. Body kinesthetic intelligence. Mm -hmm. Kinesthetic. Yeah. Kinesthetic. This is people who definitely like to work out. That would not be me. Their capacity to <laughs> manipulate objects and use variety of physical skills. Timing, perfecting of skills through mind-body unions, athletes, dancers, which I used to dance, surgeons, and crafts, people but, exhibit. But I do know that people who do dance don't necessarily fall under this category. Probably not, but it says dancers. Yeah, but I think, because what makes me, and I know I'm going to bring Taman up on this because mm -hmm. we're not supposed to, but it actually made me think of it. He's actually said that he absolutely hates working out. So he would be a very good example of someone who would not have this. Because when you think of Taman, I mean, what you think of a dancer, really. Mm -hmm. And to me, he falls more under the creative musical aspect well, of things. Well, this is craft. As creative. Yeah. Right. But this is more of a f somebody who loves anything physical. Right. And, and it 
for him, I think it's not really the, the love of the physical. I think it's it's dance is more of an artistic yes. expression. So I think it's it's how you view it and and the feeling you get from it. Mm, probably. Linguist. Linguistic. Uh huh. Very linguistic. Uh-huh. Me. Yes and no. <laughs> Intelligence. The ability to think in words and to use language to express and appreciate complex meanings. They allow us to understand the order and meaning of words to apply meta-linguistic skills to reflect on our use of language. I think I follow underneath that. Do you? Because I know you write poetry, though you've never really, I don't think, shared with me. But you write music. She wrote a song mm-hmm. that I like. And I've written stories and novels. And I, all of my electives in college were all writing classes and literature classes. And, and the language, obviously. I, I've attempted to learn five languages, I believe. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, obviously, over the years, I have just kind of left them in the past well, and, and I don't really and even though we don't learn fully the languages to yeah. be classical singers you had to learn to read certain languages because you had to learn to sing in certain languages mm. because universities you were required to sing at least three languages your native language and then two other languages mm. at but least just that's the fascination with languages in oh, general is yeah. very unique you know, some are Latin based and some are where the hell did they get this from? You know, type thing. But yeah. Now I'm going to ask you to say that word because spatial. Yes. Now I didn't think that was that. I actually said spatial. <laughs> I'm horrible when it comes to spelling <laughs> and I'm horrible when it comes to pronouncing words. I know Brian has that. I know. I know exactly what that word means. Ability to think in three dimensions. Core capacity includes mental imagery, spatial reasoning, image manipulation, graphic and artistic skills, and an active imagination. Sailors, pilots, sculptors, painters, and architects all exhibit this. I started seeing a pattern with the topics that we've been using mm-hmm. and taking it from a negative and bringing it into a positive way. It's like we're building, you know, you, if you don't want to live with a narcissist, if you don't want to live with that type of behavior or whether you know someone who's a sociopath or come up against one, you won't really know. Um, or if you think you are one yourself, there's, you know, there's little bits from each of that that you can help open you up mm-hmm. in a way. And, if you know, if you're with a narcissist, then boundaries is a good thing for you because with boundaries, you start seeing mm-hmm. more of that narcissistic before it gets going. You could tell the red flags. You could mm-hmm. tell. So they kind of all work together yeah. with a sociopath. You don't really know there's a sociopath. 
But there are red, red flags. But there are red flags and having boundaries and not knowing that that person is a sociopath. If you give them boundaries, they're going to show themselves mm-hmm. faster than they are if they get a chance to manipulate mm-hmm. you more. Right. So I just think that we're, we're putting building blocks out. And what resonates with you, you take. Mm-hmm. What doesn't, you leave. Mm-hmm. And I think with knowing more about yourself with boundaries and knowing about yourself emotional intelligence wise, mm-hmm. you put them boundaries out there, you check yourself, mm-hmm. you make them check themselves with the boundaries, you might live a little more peacefulness and be a little more happier than you were a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago. And you start moving forward into happier days and stuff. So on that note, I don't know what our topic will be next time, but we will come up with something good, hopefully. Maybe it would be something building off of this because it will be Jen's turn. And um, But who knows? We might just throw a wrench in there and do something different. Mm-hmm. So, But on that note, as I was saying, we bid you adieu. We hope you stay safe. Keep a positive mindset. Wash your hands. Cover your face. Take care of yourself. And until next time, blessed be. Annyeong. Bye-bye. And if you would like to contact us, you may do so at our email, eclecticsoulpodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram account is eclecticsoulpodcast. Our Facebook is eclecticsoul.org. Our YouTube is Eclectic Soul, and our website is eclecticsoul.org. Jen? If you want to reach me, my personal website is musicandmystery.com. My SoundCloud is the SoundCloud page, the soundcloud.com slash jennifer-feltman. My Facebook is at Music and Mystery, and my Instagram is at Music and Mystery. And if you would like to reach me personally, my Facebook is at Just Call Me Jinjin. My Instagram is at Call Me Jinjin or Look for Goddess. And my Twitter is at Jen Sullivan. Thank you and have a blessed day. Blessed be.